All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy Empath Podcast. I am joined today with my new friend, Dylan Olson. Dylan is a natural-born rebel who honors the human spirit by defying the societal status quo. A teacher to many and student of all, he uses his creative talents to connect with others on a visceral level and transcend the conventional human experience. As a transformational coach, esteemed writer, and multifaceted musician, he uses creativity and imagination as alchemical tools to transform the human spirit and alleviate the illusion of suffering on the planet. As a founder of the Authentic Brotherhood, he facilitates a space and assists men of all ages in letting go of their traditional masculine programming and opening themselves up to discovering their own authentic masculinity. He is also a co-owner of the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery, where he works with instructors from all over the world to bring the world healing in an affordable, attainable, and modern way. From a traumatic childhood and an adolescence rife with addiction and suicidal romanticism, he has since awakened and uses his relatable experiences as a means to connect with others and equip them with tools and techniques to transform their lives from the inside out. All right. Dylan, welcome. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so we're going to be chatting about being human, being an empath, masculinity, all kinds of good stuff. And but can we get a little get started off with you sharing, you know, whatever just comes up for you about your journey thus far, right? How you've gotten to this space, and yeah, anything you want to share about that, the wisdom extracted, any uh, you know major players and anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know, and as, as the, you know, in my bio, I, you know, I, I struggled with addiction and, um, really living out of, uh, childhood trauma for, for much of my, I mean, I'm 29, I turned 30 this year. And so, I mean, but for the first basically two and a half decades of my life, uh, that I could be considered to be fully conscious, you know, out of that, that child, uh, like innocence. Um, I really was just living out of that programming and I was totally unaware of it. Just like in this mire, in this milestone of suffering that I was unaware that I was creating myself. And, uh, and so <clears throat> I was, how I characterized it in, um, I'm a part of a collaborative book that'll be released um, in the fall called From Bottom to Top. And in that, I, I talk about um, my spiritual journey has been, and I think it's like this for pretty much everybody, is uh, it's revelation and revisitation. So we'll like have these really brilliant revelations or these, these eye-opening experiences, and then we'll like revisit these old patterns. And we'll kind of revisit, you know, maybe there's some fear that we kind of fall back into it, or maybe it's curiosity and we want to kind of test, um, you know, test our new skills or, you know, our new awareness in this and revisiting these old ways. And most of the time when I would revisit, it just didn't have the same luster. Um, but, uh, so living out of that old programming, I, um, you know, my, my addictions first started with like video games as a child. I was more of more of a escape artist, like more of a Houdini. I was just like, I wanted to escape my reality and escape the suffering that I perceived that I was in. So it was video games. And then um, kind of that looming sense of inadequacy uh, took me into pornography. And, um, and then from there, discovered drugs and alcohol when I was probably like 18, 19 is when I really started diving in. And that's when I was like, oh my God, I can actually or I thought I could actually escape myself. 
Um, and all that did was just cause more pain and suffering. And I think too, when I look back, a big piece of my, um, my affinity for drugs and alcohol and the numbing they provided uh, was that I had trouble accepting my gifts as an empath uh, because it was a lot. And I don't think I fully understood what it was that I was experiencing with like just that sensitivity to energy, um, feeling into other people's states of being, uh, and even not even fully understanding my state of being and how to um, create that. And so I, I my 20s were a, my 20s were just a lot of, whoa, this is, all right, let's see. There we go, silence that. So uh, it was just a lot of self-sabotage and these addictive behaviors. And, um, and uh, so I basically went through broken relationships. I was uh, struggled with suicidal thoughts and I even attempted suicide a few years ago, or at least put myself in the position to commit suicide. And, um, and it really, you know, I just kept doing this shit over and over and over. And eventually a couple of years ago, I ended up getting a DUI and at first the DUI happened and I approached it like most everyone else that got, you know, got a DUI and was locked in that way of being where I, um, I just, you know, was blaming, kind of putting the blame outward um, and, and continuing in the way of being that I was in, which was still drinking, still hanging out with the same relationships that enabled me. And, but then I had this clicking moment, um, about a month after I, that happened. And it was just a really clear, I just, this moment of immense clarity where it was like, I am not going to live this lifestyle anymore. I just can't, I can't sustain it. And it doesn't sustain me. And so from there, I just made a, ra a radical, a lot of radical shifts in myself where I just basically relinquished my entire sense of identity to source. And um, I took up a, a healthy lifestyle, a sober lifestyle, um, spent my time reading, exercising, um, and in my spiritual practice and really diving in and doing the work. And so through that experience, that awakening, um, I, I really just opened myself, I opened up the floodgates. And then from there, I was introduced to um, Aisha at IAWESOME, which is the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery. I was invited in uh, initially as a founding faculty for like the men's work I do. And, um, and but then I rapidly moved my way into being a primary partner in, in the business. And um, yeah, and so from there, it's just really... <laughs> things, you know, miracles just started flooding in. And uh, yeah, I would say that brings us to now. I just really fell in love with myself and with life and with doing the work. And um, since then, it's just been yeah one miracle after another. And I uh, more opportunities for me to share my journey and wisdom with others has just been just flowing in. So yeah, beautiful. So do you or are you aware? And so Okay, if you don't have an exact answer at this time, but if you do, so for these destructive patterns that you were talking about, are you aware of the underlying, uh, you know, thought forms or belief systems or, uh, you know, stories that was there um, causing these behaviors and perhaps where they came from? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when I was a child, so my dad committed suicide when I was six 
And, and that really shaped me a lot. And I think that was a, actually a huge, I know actually that was a huge piece of why I'm into the men's work because I never had a frame of reference. And then my mom had a couple other marriages. Um, but that fa- the false belief that was instilled from that was that I'm undeserving and unworthy of love because as a child, when, you know, my fi- finding out that my dad took his own life, just, I, I internalized that personally. And, um, a year after he took his life, um, I, um, was taken advantage of sexually by these older boys who lived down the street from me. Um, and I used to call it like, I mean, technically it, you know, I was molested, but in my reframing, um, it was more that I had no idea what was going on. You know, I was so innocent as a child. I didn't, for me, it was like, Oh, we're touching parts and this, whatever. And, but I mean, the way that it was passed down to me, uh, cause they ended up, they actually were molested by their uncle and then they took this game and they played it with all the other boys in the neighborhood and it, but you know, while it was happening, I didn't know what was happening. I, I didn't have any sense of shame or guilt because I was so innocent, but it wasn't until the parents in the neighborhood found out what was going on. And my mom at the time was, uh, going, we were going to church. So the people in the church told my mom, if she told my, her mother-in-law, uh, that this was going on, that my grandma was going to take us away from her. And so naturally my mom wanting to protect her children and feeling that fear, she told me, you can't tell your grandma about this. But what I internalized it as was like, there's something wrong with me. I'm disgusting. And I, that was probably at seven years old was the time I first, I first felt crippling shame and guilt. Uh, and I didn't know why. And, um, so the two biggest false beliefs that were instilled in me before I was even 10 years old, you know, in my formative years where I'm undeserving and unworthy of love. And, um, I should be ashamed of myself and there's something wrong with me. And, uh, so I, I grew up not loving myself sexually, uh, and having no sexual confidence and, um, believing I was undeserving of love. So every relationship I had naturally was broken because I didn't believe I deserved it. Uh, and any sense of abundance or opportunity or just goodness and positivity that came into my life, I didn't believe I deserved. So I self-sabotaged everything and I became a very isolated creature. Um, and those two false beliefs really stemmed into just, it was a lot of self-loathing. Um, I did not love myself. I did not take care of myself. I, I did, couldn't even see a way out. You know, it was like these cataracts that just blinded me. Um, or it was almost like I was holding my hands over my eyes and complaining that I couldn't see, but all the while I was the one just covering my eyes. <laughs> and yeah, those two false beliefs really fucked me up for a long time. Uh, yeah, I would say those are the two main ones. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Com- comparison, because it's like that with most things, right? We we're usually the ones, uh, you know, putting these barriers over ourselves, which makes sense because that's, you know, we're the ones that have to remove them and do the healing work, right? Um, you know, only, yeah. only we can do it. And then also we yeah, have with the experience of those boys in the neighborhood too, 
yeah, that, that makes me think or that, yeah, when you were saying that it comes up how a lot of these things can be, you know, in a way neutral, but then it's the story that is imposed upon them, you know, either during or after. And, you know, you were too young and innocent to come up with a, you know, nefarious story for it. Um, and that was, you know, done for you afterwards and then passed down to you. Um, and yeah, I think that's yeah. just a really good reflection because that can happen, you know, with a lot of things, even things that we might think are inherently, you know, wrong. But, you know, in reality, I guess, yeah, pretty much everything is neutral, right? And it's all a story. And yeah. It's all up to the story that we place on it. And so what were the, yeah, any like big driving you know, experiences or I think you, well, you mentioned some, but like, just, you know, like, cause that's, it takes a lot of work to kind of, you know, re rewire these kind yeah. of conditioning. So were there particular um, tools, practices, experiences that you, that really kind of helped break through that initially and, or maybe some stuff we do now as well to continue to support that? Yeah, I so a lot of a lot of what really pushed me into kind of the shattering of myself or the relinquishing of my idea of myself was just a lot of tragedy and it was self-imposed, self-induced tragedy. So um, because of my uh, all of those false beliefs and those um, deleterious thought patterns and all that stuff I would do um, and the things I believed about myself. I was constantly putting myself in really bad situations. Uh, like in my, I think I was freshly 21, maybe 22. And one night I ended up going, I ended up going out and drinking at the bar and I uh, was in a really bad way and drank until blackout. And while I was blacked out, apparently I had called a cab. And while I was in the cab, I fell asleep. So naturally the taxi cab driver as his policy and procedure called the police uh, because when sometimes if you wake up someone while they're blacked out, they are violent. And sure as shit, the police came to wake me up and I was violent. And I started, uh, I committed assault and battery on two police officers, even though I was probably like 130 pounds and like just <laughs> the two cops did, they didn't have an issue with me. I, I, but I was being very belligerent and miraculously, um, well, so one of the cops wanted to throw me in the drunk take and take me to jail. Uh, and he was straight up just like, nope, this guy's got to get five years, you know, screw this kid. The other one though, apparently was known as like being a softy, uh, in the, in amongst the other police officers. And, um, but while I was in that state, um, apparently I just broke down on the sidewalk and, um, after they subdued me and, uh, just really just kind of poured out all the stuff that was going on inside of me. And uh, he felt compassion for me. And so he, he actually, he called my mom and he was like, you need to come pick your son up like this. He's, this is everything that happened. And uh, I, so she picked me up and um, he, yeah, he had compassion for me and let me go. And, um, and so then three days later, I checked myself into rehab. Now rehab didn't, this is really where I got introduced to spirituality um, because rehab AA and NA didn't do it for me. Um, I know that they work for, for some people it didn't work for me. I didn't like the sob stories. If I'm being completely honest, there was no, uh, this is how my life is bet is better. It was always, this is how bad my life sucked. And I didn't like that approach. And, but while I was in rehab, I, um, my, my counselor gave me, he was like, you will like this book. Uh, 
you're yeah read this book and it was the untethered soul by michael a singer and that book i remember just sitting up late every night just reading this book and it really just it unlocked something inside of me so when i got out of rehab i mean i was meditating i was just reading as much spiritual literature as i could because i was just like this i these ideas were so liberating and um and so i i you know was really into the spiritual stuff but then i was still in denial about my uh, about living that old lifestyle and i was still attached to my idea of myself so naturally i reverted back and then a few years later i ended up going to south america i had met a woman and uh was super just i was full on like yes let's do this super in love super infatuated and uh and so i followed her down to south america i had quit my jobs went and shoveled snow off of rooftops to make the money and um made it down to south america and it was great we traveled for four months we ended up living in peru for three of them in a, a city called iquitos uh, in the amazon and but i didn't deal with my shadows and show so my shadows followed me and they began to deal with me and the coke was extremely cheap and the booze was really cheap and so i always had an eight ball in my fanny pack i always had a bottle of johnny walker red in my backpack and i was like great i don't have to deal with any of my shit because i can just be high and drunk all the time and then shit got really bad and i uh um one night uh ended up uh this is where i i i basically a series of events where I was really drunk. I felt emasculated because I couldn't protect, um, protect my partner. And so I went out drinking, um, got lured to a hotel or invited to a hotel by a prostitute where my shame actually saved my ass because she had been like, do you have protection? And I was like, well, no. And at this point I'd already paid her. Um, and I was like, can you go get it? Cause I was so ashamed. I just wanted to die in the room. And, um, she actually, you know, the universe graced me with that. She just left with my money and never came back. And so nothing happened and I'm so grateful. Uh, but in the moment, you know, in the, it was when that happened, I really kind of like, was like, what the fuck am I doing? But I went back to my apartment and, um, long story short, ended up getting our, the keys ended up in the street. I had to climb up a gate, climb over a gate so that I could, I could get the keys because you needed the keys not only to get into the apartment, but also out. And um, while I was on top of the gate, you know, I was high on coke and super drunk and I lost my footing as I was going to jump down and landed on both of my heels barefoot. And it was like nine or 10 feet. So I just landed not appropriately and uh, like hairline fractured both my feet and um, ended up going inside being locked out of our room because, um, I had mentioned I was suicidal a couple days prior. And, um, and so while I was coming down off Coke and booze and my feet were throbbing, um, and I just felt super ashamed about the whole thing with the prostitute, I could hardly take it. And so I, uh, drugged the stool from the kitchen into the bathroom. I wrote a note, I tied the belt to the bars and around my neck and I just stood there and it felt like it was eternity. But that tragedy was really what sparked. Um, so after that, you know, I, I couldn't do it. I got down. We ended up making our way back to the States. Once we got back to the States, I, I was just, I was like, I never want to 
do this. I never want to make those same choices again. And I want to, and I, um, and so I wanted to get back into the men's work. Now I was introduced to the men's work a couple years before at beloved festival in Oregon. And, um, it was called the new masculine program. And I remembered they were doing shadow work at this men's empowerment workshop at the festival. And I was like, what is, you know, men were just like sobbing and gnashing because we were like letting our shadows embody us. And it was so visceral and attractive to me because it was real and raw. And um, so I, I ended up taking like that seven or eight week course. And, um, and so I had all those tools, but, you know, I went back and did all that stuff in South America happened. So when I came back from South America, I, um, I was like, I, I'm going to do the work again. So I went back through all the course material again. And while I did it though, I was like, you know what? Like I'm, so I actually, I invited, um, I invited a bunch of guys to do it with me. And, um, and so we, we went through it and, and it was a really powerful experience to share that space with men. And so through that though, I was like, you know what? I want to do this myself. Like, I don't want to just share, like, this is wonderful information and I love sharing it with the other men in my life, but I really want to make this my own, in my own experience and share the things I've learned, uh, in the men's work. And so, um, I continued to really build it and I was spending a lot of time like building slides and creating this really extensive course. And, um, and it went on for like a year or so of like really just and then it fizzled uh, because I went back to my old lifestyle and my let my old beliefs and thought patterns and everything uh, come back in. And so then I continued doing that. And then that was when the DUI happened. And that was really what set things off. So it was like over the years, I, I was gaining these tools, these little nuggets. And then I would come back to, you know, this way of being that I knew. And um, but I would say the three biggest, well, meditation is a huge tool meditation and visualization it's a really simple one um and a lot of people are like i don't know how to meditate like how do i do it um and really i'll just i mean i do all sorts of different meditations um you know everything from just mindfulness meditation with the breath and focusing in on the sensations of the body to doing full-on like subconscious reprogramming where i'll go down into my own subconscious and um and just ask for messages and, um, <clears throat> you know, just get in touch with some of the first causal events and allow those things to be integrated. Um, journaling is another big one. That's another big tool I do, uh, just to get things out and really allow for the, just to see what the subconscious says and, um, radical self-honesty, radical detachment and, uh, and sobriety was a big thing for me. Those were all very big, very big tools. I'm loving these stories. And yeah, you must have done clearly like, you know, a lot of work on that shame to be able to, you know, talk about these experiences so casually and without, you know, you know, holding that as, you know, your identity and you know, not being, you know, in that story and carrying that subconscious shame. So are those like part of was that part of the process just through like these journaling, the shadow work and you know, the other meditation styles. Was that how you um, worked with the shame? 
Yeah. And then also, well, right. You said radical self-honesty. I mean, that's an incredible way to work with shame. Yeah. Um, And I think that was like a really big one was once, and that was, you know, radical self-honesty was what really led me into sobriety because once I admitted that I was the problem, I became the solution. And I really just had to look at myself from that outside perspective, kind of allow myself to just pull back and be like, whoa, like no one else is to blame for my mis my perceived misfortunes. Like there's there's no one else to blame. Not even my perceived circumstances are to blame because I created the circumstances. Circumstances, you know, we've been taught to look at everything backwards where we we in our world, um, in our culture, we're taught that, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, accept what is given to you, accept the cards you're dealt. And that the circumstantial evidence actually means like it, uh, that it's, that's it. But what we, but it's actually the other way around where we cause circumstantial evidence. And even so circumstantial evidence doesn't mean anything. Like if you want something, all you have to do is visualize it, believe you can have it, believe you can be it, believe that that experience is in the cards for you and literally ignore circumstantial evidence. Like if you want to be a millionaire, uh, then you go, okay, well, cause you just bypass all the thoughts, beliefs, and actions, and you go straight to being, and granted all those things, there's still the work with all of that, you know, like safely guarding your thoughts, going into your subconscious, asking for help when it comes to the belief systems, but really just being, you know, you ask yourself, okay, well, what is a will? How, how do I be a millionaire? What is it to be a millionaire? Well, what is a millionaire dress like? What is a millionaire feel like what is a millionaire laugh like what is a millionaire um sleep like and you really just go into this and you be it and then the circumstantial evidence because we our thoughts create reality our beliefs create reality we create reality because reality is a conscious it's a consciousness derived thing so when you be whatever it is you are you know i I always like my thing I like to say is being is the nature of becoming we've been you know we're always thinking that what we're becoming is this the future self there is no future self that's apart from you in some other time time is not real so everything exists simultaneously in the now so if you want to become these future self qualities that you believe are in the future you just be those things now you know like you you be that now And then it creates the circumstantial evidence that you desire. And so when I really started realizing that, um, which that took me a bit, at first the radical self-honesty led to my sobriety. Sobriety gave me the clarity and the drive to really do the work. Um, And I also created a lifestyle where those old patterns didn't work. Like, I mean, I woke up, you know, now my morning routine is I, I exercise, I read and I meditate every morning and I wake up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Um, because if I drink at night, I can't do those things. (laughs) You know, it's like you, you're not, if you drink at night, you're not going to wake up and want to go for a run. If you drink at night or, you know, the day before, you're not going to want to wake up and read for 30 minutes. You're not going to want to journal for 30 minutes. You're not going to want to have the clarity to allow yourself to be still and experience God first thing in the morning and experience yourself and which are the same thing. Um, And yeah, so, and then uh, radical detachment was a really big thing where I just had to allow myself to, and I mean, in prayer and meditation a lot, 
um, I would find myself communing with source, just saying, you know what, I'm ready to completely let go of everything that I believe is true. I'm ready to let go of all of my knowledge. I'm ready to let go of who I think I am. And when I started having that dialogue with the universe and with source and myself, I really began to open myself up to the vast, the vastness of who and what I truly am and what we truly are, which is source. We are pure creative potential and the, the, what, what dictates how that is created is our choices and our choices come from our thoughts and our beliefs. So if you, and then our thoughts and beliefs come from our being, our state of being we're in. So if you can go to the state of being and, uh, which, which I do, I do affirmations every morning. I actually do like five pages of affirmations and I'll change them depending on, you know, as I evolve. And, uh, and so that really gets me into, and I actually, I don't know if you guys can, I know you can't see it, but I have affirmations also pasted all over my house. So it's like, if I'm walking around and I'm kind of pissed off, all of a sudden I'll like open a cupboard and it's like, I am forgiveness. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so having those reminders around really puts you, it, it helps keep you guard those thoughts, guard your thoughts and your, your uh, beliefs about yourself. Yeah. That's certainly very important, but also, I mean, the, the whole concept, well, if you couple things first of all yeah talking about like this you know the state of being uh so many people get caught up in the the when then oh you know once i do this then i'll have that so yeah if you're looking to make you know more money or if it's you know health or weight loss so oh, once i lose weight then i'll you know feel confident or then i'll start dating and then i'll do like these things i want to do but when in you know you be reality you'd be much better off flipping the script like you know just being confident now what would a confident person you know be like or, or do then you know do those things and as you become more confident then you'll feel you know better in mind and then that will reflect better in body and absolutely yeah the, uh, you hit the nail on the head also with the uh, purpose and vision i think is so important too when we when you were talking about yeah yeah do, doing the certain things for like oh you, you know if you drink then you can't do all these other things and you know for because i get a lot of comments about you know especially like yeah, i still i work at a coach at a gym a couple times a week just it's fun and i love yeah interacting with people but I, I get a lot of comments you know all the time just like you know how i look and you know how i eat and stuff but like everyone just oh yeah that's you know just genetics and that's this and that and oh it's because of this and it's because that you know just like throwing out all these excuses at me as to why i you know <laughs> am like <laughs> healthy and in shape um but for me it, it's it's purpose and vision like i wouldn't do what i did if i didn't have a greater life vision because there would be no point like to you know i wouldn't have to be so clear in the mind i wouldn't have to have so much energy if i didn't have so much to do or if i didn't really care or you know if i was just at like a you know job i didn't really like that didn't i didn't have to be like on you know point all day and you know all these things and it's just like then i wouldn't like take so much care in it but it's since I have yeah this overarching vision, it's just easier to do all those things because like I, I want to and I have to and I just I just do because you know <laughs> like, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to do the other things. That's like like but if it's 
so like even when I like through seasons of you know I won't have as much you know certain things or if I don't like you know I'll I kind of like let things slide I'll you know I'll go to eat more have a couple of drinks here there more um but then when I have or oh, like bigger things I'm working on and then I you know, tighten everything back up again it kind of flows a little bit but yeah so it's not it's not like a willpower thing it's just because you know I have something bigger moving me so it's just easy to make the decisions that are in alignment with that because I want to feel good I have to feel good I really don't have you know, yeah many other choices oh yeah dude absolutely and I, t- I totally feel it because I actually um you know a couple months ago I was like you know what i I want a glass of wine and um, I think I, it was like a 17 or 18 months sober and um, enjoyed some wine. And so lately it's been like, you know, here and there I'll have, I'll have a little bit of wine, but Monday I actually drank more than I usually drink, which isn't much, but it was enough that it was, it really just, I was like, Oh my God, I do not the next day on Tuesday. I was like, I do not miss this feeling at all. And it was the same thing. Like there's, there's so many things, you know, even just working from home. Um, I shouldn't say just working from home. All the work I do is it, it's very, it's, it's demanding of, of spirit and clarity and mind. And, but it was just like, man, I, I had just that fog was so, I was like, man, I do not miss this at all. Do not miss this at all. Yeah. And so I'm- it's just been like getting back into, you know, today I feel because yesterday was a, funky so some funky business but today i feel very very clear and on point so yeah yeah um yeah, and some people yeah they i've seen people who are like super productive and very unhealthy i'm like i don't know how you do that i know do I yeah just, i just i've never been like that like i just i'm yeah, i've always been pretty prone to brain fog and struggle with that in the past and like if i yeah i'm not in tip-top shape i'm just feel pretty useless. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah. And especially like, is because most of the work I do, I mean, pretty much all the work I do is either, you know, it's spiritual and creative. And so it's like for both of them, I need, if I have any sort of brain fog, I'm, I'm, I feel completely useless. I'm just, I'm like, I, I can't create music. I can't create visual art. I can't, I can't help you with, I can't help you. (laughs) Can't do anything. Uh, so how does being an empath relate to your story and now? And yeah, what is your idea of what that is? So as I said earlier, I, I think another big piece of why, well, and you know, I didn't realize, you know, as they say, hindsight's 2020, blah, blah, blah. But I, um, when I would, cause I used to always, when I would party all the time and I would use these substances, I was just getting fucked up all the time. And I was always hanging around with people that I didn't really enjoy. And I didn't really feel seen by I'm always putting myself in these situations, but I would stay in them. And how I would stomach those experiences was through basically shutting down my intuition and my empathic nature through substances. And I would basically just shut it down so that it wouldn't bother me because the moment I would sober up, I'd be like, why the fuck am I here? I'm feeling this, this energy does not feel good. These, I don't. And, uh, and so since, you know, recently, since I've really taken to a more healthy and clear, um, and spiritual lifestyle, 
I can, my, my empathic and intuitive abilities have really, really expanded, um, to where, you know, I can feel into, like, I can feel into what other people are, um, feeling not only in that moment, but I can also, um, I can feel into people's struggles and fears, um, without them saying anything. Uh, and, um, which allows me to really be able to do work on an intuitive level and be very effective in that way, uh, with my ability to connect, um, with other humans in that capacity. Um, but it also gets really draining if I don't cut cords regularly and, um, and, you know, uh, make sure that that power, that those energetic tethers are, um, are cut after, after, especially after some really intense interactions, but even with the small ones that just kind of come in passing. So I try, I implement cord cutting quite a bit. Um, yeah, I would say that's what empath, being an empath is really opened up in me is because before I'd be like, whoa, what are some of these things I'm feeling? Like these don't even feel like mine. And uh, the more I've opened up to it, I've realized, oh, like it isn't all mine. Like it's, I'm experiencing the energy of others and I'm experiencing, yeah, like I can, I can feel into that. So that's, that's been my experience with being an empath is, is being able to feel into others without language, without um, hearing their story, um, you know, really just sitting with them. And I, I, you know, I can just, I can just feel into it. What about the uh, kind of like the negative aspects of it? Have that, you know, I think you mentioned, yeah, just like drinking a lot, trying to like numb the sensation and things like that. So do you think it has been, you know, like a kind of a driving force for negative patterns of behaviors? Of being an empath? Yeah. Um, That's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think it, I think so. I think that my being an empath was a really... Um, because I think for a long time, I didn't know how to interact with people. I didn't really. And you know, that also, I just, so I was very, I would isolate myself a lot. I would go out and party. Like I would go on these like flip flop benders where I'd go out and I would party and spend time with people that didn't really care about me. And I didn't really care about them, but we enabled each other in our destructive patterns. And then I would feel extremely ashamed and guilty. And then I'd go hide for like, a month or two. And, um, I just didn't know balance. I didn't. And so that like being able to feel everything and then wanting to numb it, uh, because I think for, I also wanted to just, I wanted to just be a, as a, as a kid, I'd never felt approved of. I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, so I was always hanging out. I was always trying to be something that I wasn't. I was always trying to be, um, be some, yeah, I was always trying to be someone that I am not. And, um, and that really just, which I am empathic, I'm intuitive, I'm sensitive, I'm creative. Um, and I'm not like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I had, sometimes I go through this, I don't know if it's a dilemma, but like this questioning, because part of me, like, even like this idea, you know, for the healthy impact in this you know, ebook that's I'm launching in very, very soon, like maybe next week. And, you know, in this, this program that's came up, I got the idea. I, like years what's ago, your, what's your ebook it's, called? Um, weight loss for empaths. Ooh. And, you know, and then like, that was the main idea that's kind of came through. And then I was just kind of like, kept saying like no to it. And then, so that's why I was like, okay, well I can do the healthy empath. I'm not going to like create like a whole thing around weight loss for empaths. And then like, that could be like, just like a subsection of it. Um, so some yeah, the, the dumb is like, I feel like, you know, part of me, like, never necessarily like wanted to do this in a way but like that's just like what kept coming to me like what i was being guided to or like you know spirit telling me in a way and i'd be like sometimes i'm just like especially like the weight loss for empaths because even in in the name it just but then it, it kind of came through why with uh the name and i, I was just like that's i don't know i don't even like use the word weight loss like why are you telling me to do this and like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um but then like, as i was going through and writing it there was a very interesting oh so yeah well so part of me still wonders was like why do you want me to be this messenger too and like for empaths and then uh something cool for like the weight loss for empaths yeah, so yeah, a lot of empaths struggle with like their weight and it has to do and part of it has to do with like you know the sensitivity um you know that goes on with it and as i was writing it this idea came to like the weight loss for empaths so, like weight loss what it really meant was the weight of loss and that we're all carrying the weight of loss. And so part of the, the process through that is that we need to grieve. Right. And then it's like a loss of life, a loss of a loss of, you know, our innocence, the loss of you know, anything really. And, you know, the, of, of who we are, of identity, our connection to God, our connection to spirit, our connection to just, you know, a world that's not all crazy. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I thought that was like pretty fascinating. So the journey through like that weight loss is connecting to what is the weight that we are carrying? What is the loss that we've experienced? And we need to transform, transcend that, um, you know, wow. to enter into that is our profound. <laughs> and yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool too. As I was writing it, I was like, whoa, I never yeah. thought of that. <laughs> um, certainly wasn't like my idea. But uh, yeah, so it started to like make sense. And then another thing too, like this um, for empaths too, sometimes I tell um, that, you know, one of the, things, the best advice for empaths, stop identifying as an empath because it's so easy to, um, you know, diagnose yourself and come up with this story mm. of being this person who is, oh, I'm an empath. So things are hard for me. Oh, I'm so sensitive. I, oh, I feel so much and that, oh, you know, so now I have to, you know, that's the reason why, you know, you just use it to just, justify your negative behaviors and so yeah this this concept is really continually transforming for me and i don't have it completely down or understood yet but um i'm not exactly sure why i started talking about this dude no you that is i i love it because it's even even in you know spirituality and relationship with source and being an empath all of those things it's still important to not attribute it to your identification system. Uh, and I think that's a, yeah, I, I love that you said that.
Yeah, okay, that you kind of brought me on track a little bit too of an, uh, another point. And so something that you know, I was you were talking about, like the story and letting go of stories. But then after we heal something, there's a new story that's formed and we need to assess that story as well. And then eventually, you know, write a new story. And yeah. I realized that the story that I created after going through all this was basically the story of, you know, little sensitive empathic Michael experiences some trauma, you know, goes to war and, you know, he's doing you know good for himself, but things are, you know, it's still hard for him because, you know, he, you know, went through that, you know, PTSD and blah, blah, blah. And still, you know, using this story as a way to justify staying small and then also wanting to be like special and wanting people to almost like, you know, see you and empathize with you and support you and validate you in your smallness, in your story. Um, so I don't have a particular question for you, but yeah, if you have any insights that come up as I, as I say that, then yeah, Yeah, I'm trying to, I, I, I had something and I'm, I'm having a total brain fart right now. Um, oh yeah. And you know, I think that's a big, a big detriment that we, especially in social media, you know, like validating each other's smallness and justifying our smallness. Um, it's just, it's chronic. It, it really is. And instead of, um, and it's just all that the it labels. And I think nowadays, especially like there's just so many labels for everything. And it seems like everyone's getting up in arms if they don't have a label. And that if you don't pay attention to the label, then, then there's a label for you. <laughs> and <laughs> there's just, and it's like, but what if we, you know, don't use any of them? What if we don't, because uh, none of them are real, you know, none of these things are, are real. And I love how you talk about, you know, like you, once you heal the old story, you come to terms with that old story, a new story is formed, that reframing experience occurs. And, um, and a lot of people, you know, ask, well, how do you do that? And therein lies the rump because it's not a bit, I always like to say it's not, you know, if you're focusing on the how, then you're crippling yourself before you, you, you'll never get it done because you already crippled yourself. You already took out your knees. You're not, Mm -hmm. you can't climb the mountain now because focus on the what, don't worry about the how, the how will present itself. The how will unfold as you unfold, but focus on the what and your why and the and everything else will unfold the how will reveal itself but you must know what it is you want what feeling you want to experience what what whatever it is and the why you know what is your why and that's a big thing too is like well why do you want that why do you want this experience why do you want to feel that um why do you want that relationship why do you want a million dollars why do you want that house why do you want to travel the world and, and then you just have to keep asking why, you know, if they're like, well, because I want to see, I've never seen the world. Well, why, why do you want to travel? And why have you never seen the world? Well, because the world is beautiful. And it's like, well, why, why? And you just keep going. Why? Until it's, you know, I love humanity and I want to, you know, just love whatever it is. And because more often than not are the deep down, why is the most substantial. And that's usually has to do with our drive to give and connect and contribute to others. And when you can really decide on that, then the how shows itself. But most of the time we, you know, we're fucked from the start because we focus on the how, well, I don't understand how that could happen. It's like, throw away your logic. 
logic and reason and science like those things are real they're there but they're just tools like you know if you want and and if yeah yeah i like imagination <laughs> yeah being, being so focused on that how is you know you just limit yourself because you know the the physical mind's trying so hard to understand how something might happen but it, it a lot of times it can't right it can only process the present it can't yeah. understand you know the future and what's coming and how it's going to happen you know it can only deal with really like the past you know and, and, and kind of processing it from there so you will have to embark on a journey and allow the experiences allow you know people it, places yeah. things to come to you and to unfold you know as you go through and write you know that new story whatever you're working yeah. on dude and you know that actually it reminds me of you know when when i was in i practiced christianity uh i you know it was a lot of a lot of the prayers i would ask and i feel like a lot of people would ask was like we praying for things to be different praying for different circumstantial evidence so being like i pray that this doesn't happen you know i'm praying to god that this does happen. This doesn't happen. You know, prevent me from this of, uh, make it so I can avoid this instead of saying, you know, affirming and ask, praying for courage and strength and allowance and understanding to handle any hardship that comes one's way mm -hmm. instead. Of, and it's such a, such a different thing. Um, because we are capable and it's like, and if, it, you know, getting hung up on the, how I feel like is that first way of prayer. You know, like, I don't understand how that can happen. How can I make this happen? It's like, don't worry about that. Just ask God or source or the universe or whichever dogmatic terminology you like. Just focus on having the courage and the strength and the, the confidence and the persistence to handle anything. And you will. Yeah. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. The worst thing that can happen is you can die. And that's not even the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> yeah there's so many other worse things that can happen than death yeah so yeah you and they right because you have to come to realize that you no one's coming to save you right and you, know, you are that savior and so you yeah praying for right yeah the strength and the courage and the the surrender and the prosperity of grace to flow through all these things instead of praying for yeah something to change and just why, why won't just that and all the frustration and yeah, you know, I, I, I get that message constantly, even though when I, I think I am doing those things and yeah, you know, I had it again, huge a few weeks ago now and a very <laughs> traumatic uh, psilocybin mushroom experience. And oh. yeah, it was how much, how much did you, what was your dose? Six grams. Ooh, also, um, that's almost a quarter. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about that. <laughs> that's a. What was your experience like? So, yeah, it was going, going crazy a bit. <laughs> were you in it? Were you in like your house, or were you yeah. like in nature? Oh, I was here in my house, home alone. And yeah, so I, I mean, I, I learned so much from it, but I was, I could, like, just part of me wanted to. Uh, I was experiencing a lot of just pressure and overwhelm, so I wanted to. You know, subconsciously, I want to take like a higher dose that's going to give me basically one of those, you know, complete, you know, death experiences where you kind of just, you know, out in your own little 
yeah. whatever you want to call it. And that's just not at all what happened, right? I just wanted to die. I wanted to go in. I wanted to die kind of like, you know, if you do some like, uh, well, I guess people have that experience with mushrooms. Um, but, you know, like if I've done like the the five meo dmt the toad right which was just complete mm -hmm. oblivion right like you you have there is no you there's no identity there's just pure experience like you don't you're not in this world you're not you don't have a body like there's no observer there's just not nothing like so i was almost like craving wow. an experience like that right because i just wanted to die i didn't want to feel the pressures of life right um and that's been like a cycle and pattern where there's like you know desperation and dread start to to creep in and then so that i could going in i right i just wanted to i'm gonna i'm gonna die and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna get so you know and then i'm gonna it's gonna be all light and i'm gonna connect with you know some higher guidance i'm gonna bring back some wisdom with me and you know it's gonna be wonderful and that's <laughs> not what happened at any <laughs> oh dude not what I've, happened at all just dude i've totally i experienced i've experienced those as well and they are yeah you're like oh this so what did happen what what i mean so i basically when... ended up embodying these different archetypes that exist within my mind and the mind of you know humans in the collective the the biggest one was the madman also known as like you know the mad hatter or the joker whatever you want to call him and i love that archetype <laughs> very much like like that new joker movie very much like him and it was yeah like just in there but the so why this like felt so traumatic with me and afterwards i was like what the fuck <laughs> and, and you know because my i the time i did mushrooms before i did four grams and i did it like at a friend's house and it was so incredible it was so amazing it was all about play you know just, like really teaching me how to play lightly oh, you know as amazing. a soul and it was just so phenomenal and i just felt amazing during it and amazing after and so great this was not like that at all in any <laughs> way shape or form and but so part of the reason why it, it seemed so traumatic was because it was fully embodied it wasn't like these oh yeah just lie down you know put on your little sleep mask and then you go into this oh, dimension yeah, and then you have your experience there in that world like kind of like when i did ayahuasca in a group of people that's how it was like this was not like that. It was just me, just fully incarnate, fully in my body, just pure madman in the living room, fucking just going crazy through these thought forms and these thought loops and these cycles and, you know, exploring the absurdity of the world and like looking out the, looking out the window and just looking, seeing how every, how absurd everyone is and how absurd everything is. And just like having all these like realizations, like, oh my God, like we live in a world of, I told you so and right like everything just exists oh. because somebody said so and you know so now we wow. <laughs> live in this world of i told you so because somebody said so at some point in time and that's the only thing keeping everything in place is because somebody said so and now we're all doing these made-up rules because somebody said so and now everyone's all angry because these people told them so like that's what they were even though that's not who they are so now they're angry and i'm just like going wild in these different like thought loops <laughs> and like and um and then there's a few other archetypes too that but the biggest one the main was the madman there was like this conspiracy theorist too who just basically uh thinks the world and people are out to get them and judging them that's the one who kind of like you know is afraid of criticism in a way because criticism is just what you think other people are saying not what other people are saying most of the time right yeah. or just your reaction to it so like there's this like conspiracy theorist who's just looking out the window thinking things that aren't true 
I'm just like, I looking out the windows, like all these people, everyone's like watching me. I wonder if they can see me, but it's like literally <laughs> no one's home at all. There's like nothing in, in sight anywhere. It's like, nobody's watching. Nobody can see me. And, uh, and then just like went through like all these different, yeah, thought loops and just embodied these different things. And just, it was very like some of the things were just like hilarious that were coming through and but it was also just right <laughs> and the, the madman kept laughing and he was saying because i'm a fucking madman and then he would burst out into this like laughter like the joker right he just couldn't stop laughing but it, it wasn't like a very fun laugh um like a, although, like a scary although, cackle although at the time it kind of was it was just, <laughs> you know just like the pure madness right and it was yeah. just reflective of the absurdity of the world the absurdity of the mind even and then like so one of the main like messages from him that's why i talk about like stories a lot is like this thing that came through is is we are stories telling themselves and i managed to write that down man i like that yeah and then at the end once it was coming down and i was like looking in the mirror again oh there was a whole point of me looking in the mirror going through all these different like characters telling all these ridiculous stories um but then as i was coming down i was looking in the mirror and it's like I said, like, no, we are stories telling themselves. So what story do you want to tell? And I, was like, I love that. Yeah. So I just kind of answered. And then, you know, part of me also wanted to reflect on, you know, how can I be right? I want to hear about the time. Oh, my authentic self, express my authentic self. Like, you know, how can I, you know, my true nature. And so I wanted to learn about that. And it was just like the, the idea that I had in my head of that was so wrong. And then like this experience at the end was basically like, I'll tell you how, here you go. Keep it real. Say what you feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. I love it. Because <laughs> you know, we have these ideas in our head of like this like grander vision of like oh what our ideal self is we want to be that person but like that's not that like that's not it is you it's every single archetype you know it's every theme feeling it's every thought the only thing that changes it is like what are you choosing out of you know what are Mm. you yeah like because there is a you know like the true authentic self isn't good like there is there are times where anger will serve you there are times where like, guess what? You might need to call on that warrior archetype. You know, if something, if some of you are being threatened, your loved ones are being threatened, something that you hold dear, or maybe it's just there's someone isn't showing integrity and you need to call on that warrior to be assertive. Like there, there is an appropriate time for that. Just as there's an appropriate time for the archetype of, the guru to come out and be all encompassing and love and compassion and wisdom. And, you know, the list goes that there's even a time, there's a time for the madman to, to dance around and frolic and laugh and cackle and, and just be one with the absurdity of the world. Yeah. So, so, the, knowing... so the madman and like the full expression is the Joker and the Tarot. Right. So that's oh, like yes. full circle. Right. And that's the, which, but that also relates to the experience before, which was, did feel good. Right. The two opposites is like heaven and hell of, of these two of, of this archetype, because one was, yeah, life is a game, play, have fun, live lightly. You know, you are, you really are a soul, like playing a game, just like have fun, like seriously. And then the, like, you know, and that's like the, the, right. The, the fool child, just like the, the, you know, so that's like the return of the innocent child. And then yeah. the, the, like the more, I guess, like negative expression would be 
of that um, fool archetype would be the madman, which is like, oh, nothing's real. Like, so nothing matters. You know, everything is absurd, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, like, you know, no empathy and just like not actually like having fun with it, but just like, ah, like fucking crazy. And so I, I can love see that. How, like, those two back to back experiences are just like complete polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've, I actually, the madman was one of my favorite archetypes and I, it still is. Like, I would say my favorite kind of villains in movies like joker is hands down one of my all-time favorites and like hannibal lecter because i'm just like they're fucking crazy <laughs> they're just out of their minds they're lunatics but i'm like but they're so smart and they just have this like they're just like like i don't know what it is about them but i'm just like and i think too you know like i would always especially back in when i was really lost in the programming like and I mean, I was doing a lot of psychedelics and I mean, every other kind of drug under the sun. And it was, you know, it would be that, like you're saying, that polar switch of I'm going to be a free spirit and I'm playing and I'm just literally just playing this human game. I'm going to have fun. And then the other side would be full blown madness where I indeed get that kind of romanticism of that madness, the the madman in his ivory tower cursing the village the the village people yeah i legit thought like the cops were coming to take me to the loony bin and then i was one like debating i was like how am i gonna convince them that i'm not crazy <laughs> 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 and then i just like saw this like super angry cop coming out and i was like oh that guy he's like and i saw that he's just so angry because he lives in this world of i told you so where people put so many rules onto him because they said so and he doesn't know who he is. And now he's so angry. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> that is spot on. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was nuts. It was like, and then I, I mean, it took like weeks of calling like every friend I had, working with like my my friend slash therapist, doing like working like all kinds of different things to kind of just come back to myself or, or figure out what myself means more so yeah. <laughs> after that experience it was rugged <laughs> like <laughs> that yeah. sounds super rugged man <laughs> yeah um but that uh, it, it's part of like you know being human and relating to that and you've been you know when last time we talked you mentioned you know this like art of being human and uh, so what do you what is yeah been coming up for you with that you know for me i was just i think it's just like yeah so much as just like the whole like keep it real concept keep it real keep it safe what you feel and yeah has been helping me with being human but yeah, yeah. so what what has been coming your way with that for you know for me i i tend to struggle with i think you know i i because i i mean i so just my mentors are it's been an hour are you dude are you good what? to answer this i said yeah. also i just noticed the time okay oh yeah yeah no i i, I got i can i'll answer this yeah um and, you know, it's like interacting with so many other spiritual teachers and like having just these luminary mentors. Um, I always and I think, too, it's not just that, but I've always struggled with having this unrealistic. Like standard of perfection for myself where like. I forget that I'm human or I, I have difficulty. Like sometimes I have difficulty accepting that I'm human and I'm like, no, I can, I should be responding in a different way. I should be having a different experience. 
Um, and so I think for me, the art of being human is through allowing, like allowing yourself to be as you are now and not just like taking it as it comes. Like you can still create who you are and be as you are, but also like there are going to be days where you're in a funk. There's going to be days where, you know, thoughts are coming up that are driving you nuts and it's important to just allow yourself to be and love yourself through that experience. Um, cause I definitely forget to do that sometimes and I'll, I'll be going through, you know, just having, I'll just be being human and having difficulty accepting that and allowing myself to just be it. And I'll be like, oh, I should be experiencing something else or be some, blah. I'm supposed Something to be else. an enlightened master. Yeah, I'm supposed to be enlightened. I should just evaporate from my body already. Where is it? And it's like, nope, guess what? I, I got fleshy. I got flesh stuff and, you know, brain juices and all that good stuff. And I'm this is this is my experience and I need to love it and have play. And I think that's another big thing, too, is the art of being human. I think it's playing. You know, we get so serious. We get so serious about things. And uh, in why Boston, so serious? Yeah, <laughs> why so serious? I know all about that. <laughs> and so it's like you know, just and because we we all you know, the more playful and f- fun we are having, the more successful we actually are, and the happier we are, and um, the more prosperous we are. We are like it's yeah. It, so it's just having fun, playing, allowing, um, accepting. Yeah. I would say that's, those are big things for me with the art of being human. Yeah. I used to have a notepad on my, or no, yeah. In one of the note apps, I would bring it up, look at it during the day. And one of the questions that would be there would be like, are you taking things too seriously? And the answer was almost always yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love uh, one of my questions I'll ask myself. I think it's Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, I think it's in the power of now. And he said uh, a question to ask yourself is what is wrong with this present moment right now? And when you ask yourself that and you really look around, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, you can never find anything wrong. Like even in a situation where you feel like it could be the worst situation ever, you're like, like, no, I'm, I'm with another human being who's beautiful, is a reflection of me. I'm, you know, I'm, or I'm in my house. I'm on my couch. I have food. I, you know, whatever it is, you, most of the time you can never find anything truly wrong with the present moment. And it's always like, okay, so I'm just being a dingleberry. Oh, in the head. Yeah. yeah. The, um, I was talking to my cousin about this the other day and it was with like the insights from, you know, the reflections I've been doing from the other previous madman and you know everything about right like the the mind and how even all like my other plant medicine journeys not all of them, but most of them have been pretty much actually all of them except for the the toad i mentioned um there's only been like a handful of things i did but um they largely related to the mind and to you know thinking and thoughts and thought forms and beliefs and right like the power network because we you know, we even mentioned it a little bit um here and you hear it all everywhere all oh, your thoughts create your reality but i don't know I, I find so a lot of people you know teaching that or saying that it, it doesn't come off as like that useful 
to someone. So that's why I like, you know, we talked about like, well, how do you do that? And then, you know, you have to allow this whole process to unfold because to just like, oh, I just gotta like, oh, think harder, think better. You know? <laughs> There's so much that goes into it. And I'm only now like revisiting a lot of that stuff, actually being able to really go through it in the way um, that, yeah, yeah, just like thoroughly being able to do it because uh, there was just right if there's so much just if your mind's so wild or if you have so much you know unconscious trauma you know stored emotions in the body you're not going to really be able to you know go through that process or, or utilize a lot of the the different things um like i used to affirmations in the past and there's no way that could ever override what was going on underneath the hood <laughs> oh yeah but now, dude. now i'm coming back to it because i'm at such a different place yeah and you know it's uh yeah because i definitely feel the same way if i had tried doing affirmations and that's a big piece of it too is you have to believe the affirmations like you could sit and you could read affirmations every day but if you don't believe them then you're literally just reading stuff out loud like you're not you have to yeah, believe you could feel worse <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know and it's fun too because i didn't even know that this stuff was possible but now i'm actually getting to a point where like normal not normal thoughts but like things that i used to like i would let ruin my day like fearful thoughts and paranoid thoughts and self-deprecating thoughts will pop up and i literally will just tell them to fuck off <laughs> and i'm just like okay fuck off you you're done like i'm yeah. i'm not paying attention to you because what we what we give attention to expands and what we take our attention away from dissolves so it really comes down to just it's a shift in attention it's a shift in focus so, um, you know, like in times where maybe you're stressing about the dollars in your bank account, you can instead shift that stressful uh, focus to focusing on gratitude for what you do have, focusing for, you know, on gratitude for the money that is in your bank account. Um, and even thinking back to a time where you felt super grateful for all the abundance of money you had in an earlier time. And that actually when you can, you know, reuse the, the past in that way, revisit the past in that way. Um, it, you, you reawaken that feeling in the now, and that actually sets you up to create that feeling again, uh, yeah. by revisiting that. Yeah. I've been just using laughter, especially right with the, Oh, it's so good <laughs> with the madman. So yeah, using laughter with these thoughts as they come, like then I'll, I'll laugh at them or I'll just say like, call, I'll speak directly to the madman. Like, so I have like some thought will go by and I'll just be like, you're a fucking madman. And then I'll just start like <laughs> laughing <laughs> and then it completely neutralizes it. And then you're allowed to yeah choose something else or feel something else. Um, the interruption. I love how you, you, yeah. The interruptions. I think Tony Robbins actually talked about doing interruptions where he's like, you know, think about the energy imbued in the word pissed off or being angry. He's like, just feel that, like feel how much, negative energy is imbued in those words he's like now take one of those words and switch it to peeved you know like yeah. i'm so peeved because if you try and say that seriously you're <laughs> you're like oh i'm just i'm peeved and then you could be like oh my god i sound like a freaking <laughs> and then you're just laughing you're like okay well and it totally interrupts interrupts your your emotional pattern and then you're free to choose something else that yeah. serves you better my my mind's still um so thinking about how i mean i i connected it a little bit but still really really seeing these two previous experiences different sides of the same p 
piece of the same whole is really kind of fascinating to me right now. I yeah. feel like I've just had this huge like, wow. Because because <laughs> in the first one, you know, it, it was even saying like, why so serious? Why so serious? But then so then you take that you know, deeper into like, you know, the the madman, the the Joker, and how he used to say that too. And I'm just yeah, really fascinated with all that. Right <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. It seems like a, a good place to stop for now. Yeah, yeah, this was great. This was this was a lot of fun, dude. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure, and have to do it again because yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I, I kind of started talking at the end. I was just so interested in listening to what uh yeah, I wanted to hear what you had to say and really enjoying those stories. But now I, I also feel like I could just talk all day. But um, yeah. So yeah, where where can people connect with you from here? Um, so uh, iawesome.com, I-A-U-S-M.com. That's uh, the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. Um, and uh, it's an online social community and learning platform. And uh, so it's just a, you know, a lot of people are experiencing awakening and this is a, a safe space where, um, people can come together and, uh, and, you know, learn about things that are, um, coming into their awareness. And, um, and then there's, you know, Facebook and Instagram, which, um, <laughs> Instagram is actually, it's it, Debo shimmy pimp. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> my hand. <laughs> so D E B O shimmy pimp, all one word, all lowercase. And, uh, yeah, but uh, I uh, um, and then uh, I have a Spotify. Uh, my musical moniker is a lover with a period at the end. Um, there's also I'm all over the place. I'm a, but uh, yeah. If you guys want to, if you men, if you're interested in uh, in doing the men's work or just want to connect, um, Dylan at iawesome.com. That's d y l a n at i a u s m dot com. And, um, yeah, I would love to, love to meet y'all, talk with y'all and, and connect with y'all. All right. Well, thanks again. And let's, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Let's definitely do this again. All right. Take care. All right. Use well, Mike.